This is 169 Projects. I'm Michael Tutton. I'm insatiably curious and excited about finding great work done in digital signage and visual communications. This podcast is designed to dig into some of those projects, find out what they're all about and how they came together. That might be a big experiential job, a massive video wall, projection mapping, or a cool one-to-one interactive project. Each episode will get into the thinking behind the project and how it came together by talking to the people responsible. Just like the Mothership Podcast 16.9, this one's available online, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or using your favorite podcast listening app. I'm grateful and excited to announce that the podcast now has a sponsor thanks to Mahler Digital Signage. That's right, 16.9 Projects is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Put your digital signage network in expert hands. Chicago's 150 Media Stream is a 127-foot long and 19-foot high permanent installation in the lobby of the new 150 North Riverside Office Building. It is comprised of 89 individual vertical LED displays, or blades, creating a canvas of over 3,000 square feet. The content is driven by an intelligent content library that constantly changes over time. Essentially, it's living content, using generative algorithms to mix content using data and programming to keep it relevant. There's no advertising, messaging, or monetization. The owners wanted something that would never get stale, and they even go so far as to seek and commission artists to create content. The custom-built system allows playback of a huge variety of content, including gaming engines. I spoke with Chad Hudson, president of Leviathan, a digital design creative agency, about this living sculpture. Thanks for joining us today, Chad. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, As always, I'd like you to uh, describe uh, the project for us, please. Absolutely. There is a great installation within a newly completed high-rise here in the Chicago area. The building is uh, 150 North Riverside. It houses a few different uh, companies for their headquarters, uh, the main one being uh, Hyatt, which uh, is a hotel giant, as you know. And uh, there's a terrific art installation that's in its lobby uh, that they have dubbed 150 Media Stream. Uh, This particular installation is uh, a number of blades. uh, I call them video blades, but they're LED columns of varying widths and heights. I think there's 89 in total, actually. Um, Pretty high resolution, I think 3.5 millimeter LED for those of you um, techies out there. And it's, it's not a digital signage system. We're not showing logos. We're not showing messages or advertising. That's purely an art installation. Uh, We'll even go so far as to call it a a living art installation that uh, evolves through not only uh, real-time generative content, but also it adapts to, um, or rather it's refreshed regularly with uh, other artists who contribute to it, both uh, world-renowned artists and budding student artists from local universities. How do the artists get chosen or how do the artists become a part of the project? Uh, Great question. There's actually a curator that's full-time on staff at the building, and their charge is to not only seek out new artists uh, through calls for entry and uh, keeping in touch with the local universities and their uh, design and art departments, but also just um, because this curator is also involved in the art scene, she's certainly privy to a number of other artists that are renowned uh, in, in the U.S. And, and globally. But she will also, because we have these flexible generative systems in place, she can go in and manipulate those systems to change up the way the content's going to look. It might um, control everything from color or shape, speed of animation, direction of animation, 
uh, and just tweak those parameters so that it's not going to be the same content on a daily basis. Uh, it's uh, constantly evolving. And um, I should also add that in certain cases, some of these engines are driven by data. So we can pull in different data feeds, anything from, oh, I don't know, weather patterns or um, outdoor temperatures, um, stock or commodity information, things, any kind of parameter of data that we pull in, we can associate that with a parameter of control on these generative systems. So that, again, it, it might seem like it's random, but there is uh, somewhat of a method to the madness and that it is driven by these data feeds. So pretty interesting and flexible system. And it was created out of a mandate by the building ownership and said, we don't want to walk in here and see the same stuff day in, day out. We need, we need to come in from week to week and see different content refreshed. And this was the best way to make that happen. And what's the interface uh, look like? Is it, a, is, it, uh, is it a text kind of spreadsheet sort of interface or is it more uh, visual? Oh, to control the content, you mean? Yes. Definitely visual. Uh, there's a few different aspects to this. Uh, one, with, with the generator, uh, the various generators, uh, interfaces are um, maybe a bit more like any other kind of content creation software where uh, a number of parameters can be selected where we're raising or decreasing levels, um, bars, sliders, uh, definitely not a, not a spreadsheet though, um, but some, some visual editors so that uh, that content can be easily modified and, and then seen um, in a test environment. But even apart from that, there's a, a pretty robust content management system that we had to build for this. Because if you imagine being in a building all day, and actually the content runs all night as well, you want to schedule for different moments in the day. So let's say it's, it's five o'clock, it's quitting time, and you want some kind of, um, something that's a bit more active and inspiring. Like, hey, it's five o'clock, let's get the hell out of here. And having some, some content that really speaks to that, that energy of the moment. Or this, um, there might be something that's a bit more subdued after hours or, or the hours after lunch where we're going to be a bit more mellow. So we want the content to reflect that. Um, same thing for the morning, having, uh, having a wake-up moment. So this content management system is really key for scheduling out all these individual bits and pieces or these variations of, of these generative engines so that we're, we're addressing the mood of, of the day or even of, of the time of year for that matter. We could reflect what's happening for specific holidays or um, if there's a, a big sports team championship that's happening, you can reflect that through different colors. Um, again, all, all it has to be, uh, all this content has to be done very artistically, but you know, if it's, um, if it's St. Patrick's Day, then there's no harm in adding a little green into, into your day and that can be all controlled and um, manipulated through this system. So you threw out some kind of generic examples there. Uh, since it's been in place, what would be a, a specific example of something that, that presented itself very well on the screens? Hmm. Well, uh, there are, maybe without diving too deep, I can tell you that there are about a dozen different content engines, and they all have their own specialty. So what, what seems to be playing out best is surprisingly fairly simple. Um, we've uh, created a couple of these engines to work with existing uh, stock assets. So 
a stock imagery that's super high resolution and that we've uh, modified or extended where necessary. And same thing for, for high-res um, video assets. So these beautiful images just on this really large canvas by themselves can be pretty captivating. But what these engines will do in, in certain cases is warp and transition from one to the next. So uh, in one case, you might have an image that looks like it's slowly melting or, or shifting slightly. And it's in super slow motion, um, or it can happen quickly, because that can be controlled as well. But that transition from one image to the next, it's not a fade. It's, uh, it's a really interesting uh, piece of art in and of itself. Same thing when uh, using another engine where we're um, pixelating in a different way. Um, we'll, use, we'll use triangle pixels or, or other circular ones that um, when you see an image in very low resolution, the pixels are uh, rippling and, and flexing and flipping and uh, kind of eventually resolving into the, the full res image. So you can tell, oh, wow, this is a skyline of, of New York. I didn't know that a few seconds ago because I couldn't tell. And that, that slow transition of going from high resolution to super low resolution with unique shapes of those pixels and then back again uh, is a, I think it really captivates people to want to sit there long enough to see, wow, this is a, a beautiful mosaic. What's it going to turn into? And um, that, that slow motion effect is, um, yeah, it draws people in. So beautiful pictures that are um, reimagined in almost like a pointillist sort of uh, way in speaking of, uh, of art terms. And what does a content library look like? You have people that are, are submitting works or being commissioned for works. Uh, I assume there's kind of a, a, a base library happening so that if the people programming it haven't been able to keep up with their programming, some other stuff's running or something like that. But what what does the breadth of the library look like? And then how how much is kind of always in play versus stuff that's one time only? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, great, great questions as well. Well, they did look at this as it is a, a permanent environment, meaning this um, this is not an art gallery that that is packed up and, and moved away. There are some permanent exhibits uh, here, and that is for the most part the work that we created. But because there are featured artists, they also wanted to have some um, what's a good way to put this uh, some urgency for people to come in and check out these these featured artists. So uh, for usually, I think, a month at a time, the prominent artist's work will be featured uh, key points in the day. And then the content that we created, uh, the 12 different engines, are also kind of interspersed throughout the day with those variations. So we've had uh, Jason Salvans, one, one artist who I believe he used uh, Unity to create um, a number of different transitions uh, the unique thing about this canvas, if you've seen pictures, is because we have these different columns or these um, these blades of LEDs, you can look at them as individual containers of content, meaning one really tall, skinny video display that is filled with content. Or you also take a step back and you see the entire canvas with all the different blades together. So um, these different artists will kind of play with um, perspective and using the individual blades and sometimes um, just as one large canvas. But Jason Salvan had some really beautiful artwork. Uh, there's another group called Thirst Design that uh, also um, used some 
some uh, gaming engines, I think Unity as well, to create content. And then there are other groups who wanted to speak more to Chicago's heritage. And so they used a lot of archival images um, from um, Chicago's uh, architectural history and, and just working with that in, in interesting ways. So it, it runs from the very, um, very abstract, where we just have swirls of color and uh, points of light. Um, if you can imagine little points of light tracing on a, a city map and just following these patterns, it almost looks like an aerial view uh, from space of, of traffic patterns. But then we also want to take some of those natural images I spoke of from stock imagery and other kinds of uh, artist translations to bring the outdoors inside. Uh, uh, flora and fauna, streams and canyons and things of that nature. So the, the work is really, to circle back, the work has really spanned a lot of different uh, styles from, um, from abstract to realistic. And uh, again, it gives those people who are in and out of this space every day, all the time, all day long, uh, something different to look at and it never feels stale. I'd like to thank our sole sponsor, Mahler Digital Signage, for their patronage. It helps cover the costs and means the podcast can visit DSC to gather some more great interviews. Here's Mahler's Luis Villafane. Hi there. This is Luis from Mahler Digital Signage. You can find us at MahlerDSO.com. We plan, install, and manage digital signage networks for marketing projects, advertising, and retail. We don't sell PCs. We don't sell screens. We don't sell advertising or do physical installations. At Mahler Digital Signage, we offer an all-around consultancy service and project management that will help you find the best hardware and software solutions to deploy from scratch your digital signage network. We adapt to what your company needs, from small to large networks, with a direct support from our engineers within 20 minutes. So at Mahler, we manage and design networks. We manage and design digital signage networks. That is it. Check out our website at www.mallardso.com. You mentioned that some people are creating using Unity. I assume some people are creating using After Effects. How's the playback work on this when, when somebody's giving you, uh, you know, the finished file for playback or whatever? What what are they handing over? I'm glad you asked that. Uh, when this system was first engineered. I think uh, it was just assumed, oh, well, this is video, so therefore we need a, a video media server to handle all this and schedule it. So I know that, without saying names, I know that originally the plan was to have an off-the-shelf media server, but when I think they realized how much content would really be required to, to remain fresh and not, not be stale throughout not even just a week but through a single day, like, oh, wow, uh, creating linear media for this is not going to be the way to go. So that's why we proposed these, uh, these other solutions that could create content on the fly. So in order for, for us to do that, we had to build our own custom media server that would uh, accommodate our content engines, but also ingest other forms of linear media or just shred up video files. So that way uh, you could load those in and um, hit play and you're good. To take things a step further, though, because other artists also expressed interest in doing something other than linear linear uh, video, they said, hey, I want to use Unreal for uh, for my content, or I want to use, um, use another gaming engine, or I want to use Touch Designer. We actually had to build this so that it would um, 
not only play back these linear media files, but also trigger other um, programs like a, a Unity file or, uh, or a Touch Designer files. So they would also uh, play them for the scheduled amount of time that was set within the content management system. But so quite a bit of moving parts here, but uh, again, because an off-the-shelf box wouldn't do this, we built it from scratch and made it as flexible as possible. Take us back to the early part of the project, either when you were first brought in or the earliest stages in terms of what other groups or companies you're working with and and what the the brief was and how that kind of came together. Of course. So there's a architectural firm, Getch Partners, and they uh, specialize in, in high-rises. They worked all over the world. And I think that they had already worked with a couple other firms. There was uh, McCann Systems, who was responsible for the um, AV system design and, and the installation of those um, video blades. And Digital Kitchen, which is another company that we uh, greatly respect um, and also based here in Chicago. Uh, so I think McCann and, and Digital Kitchen had come up with a few different concepts for what these, uh, what the array of these blades could be and what types of content could go on it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened, why, why they didn't remain involved, but uh, I think the project just went out to bid. Uh, a number of companies were competing to create the content, including us and Digital Kitchen. And uh, I, I suppose that our, our flexible solution just kind of won out in the end. But certainly give them uh, due credit for uh, coming up with a, a beautiful style for this video display. So yeah, those are the primary players, uh, as well as the the end client, um, Riverside Investment and Development, who um, who funded the development of this building. And there's no notion to monetize this in any way or to show any advertising? Not a bit. And uh, I give great credit to, to the Riverside team for doing that. Uh, I, I mean, I think if you've been in, in other major cities, whether it's, um, I think New York's a great example, but but go to London, even go to Shanghai, and uh, large, uh, large high-rises or, or corporate headquarters have for years had uh, either beautiful paintings or sculptures or statues in, in their lobbies, and that way we're, um, we're, we're keeping it classy. So this is just a modernized version of that and not one that you have to hoist in and out of there every, every few years to, to keep it fresh. This is... Um, this is a living, breathing work of art that does not does not get old. Does the fact that you, as you mentioned, I think there's 89 individual displays and they're and they're uniquely formatted. Is there a concern over time that that becomes limiting to artists, or is that kind of part of the fun of an installation like this? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's definitely the fun of it because most of the time you see a rectangular canvas, whether it's for a um, if you're a creator of video content, most of the time you have your 16 by 9 rectangle, or maybe it's 9 by 16 and the monitor is tilted on, on its side in a portrait format. And occasionally you even get these really interesting video walls or call it like a, a Times Square billboard that's a bit more interesting. So I think this one falls into that uh, realm of, wow, it's, this is not going to be used to to display advertising or a company's logo. This is actually designed to be to be beautiful so let's 
embrace that interesting layout of these video displays and and do something cool with it. Let's play with perspective. Let's um, do something that's ambient. Let's even do something that's jarring or exciting and celebratory. So I, I really think that, that that canvas is going to be more of a um, a fun challenge than um, than a lame one for these artists. And speaking of challenges, what kind of challenges have you guys faced with this? And since it's been installed, really no challenges whatsoever. Uh, as it was being uh, created, though, or, or as we were conceiving of, wow, how can we make this content super flexible and malleable to the curator and, and still be super fluid? And uh, if anything, I think we built it to have too much control, but that's fine. Um, uh, I'd say that one of the other challenges was more from a, a logistics standpoint. Uh, because this display is as large as it is, it takes four media servers to drive it across, uh, I guess it's um, 16K wide as far as the resolution goes. And knowing that if any time one of those servers fails, then a whole quadrant of the, um, of the display would go down. So what our team has done is actually built a, a hot spare uh, it's it's just a, a regular computer with a, a super graphics card and some great RAM and, and drives. But but this hot spare is essentially a computer that senses when any one of those other computers goes down, this one will immediately pick that signal back up. So you have barely a blink before for that uh, that hot spare picks up the the job of the other failed server. So I think just thinking through all those what ifs. Um, what if another artist wants to use a different um, content creation platform that is real time? What if, what happens if one of these things goes down? Um, what if someone needs to change content remotely? So trying to get out ahead of all these different challenges and, and keeping it from becoming dated uh, a year, two, three years down the road was um, required the most thinking. And those were the greatest challenges we had to overcome. And the last question is about the content challenge, I guess, which is when, when creating content for a space like this, what are the challenges? Uh, yeah, well, it's literally like trying to create uh, content creation software in some regard. If, if we want something that's malleable, if it's not just pre-rendered video, how do we think conceptually about, about what these things are? Um, and, and how should they be flexible? How much control should we give versus um, putting some blinders on and, uh, and narrowing those parameters a bit? Uh, and for us, I mean, we, we want content that's beautiful, especially given that this is a public art installation, uh, trying to uh, really wrap the heads around what is what are people going to be, uh, how are we going to take people's breath away, and how are we going to make that flexible and changeable? Uh, and because this is not merely our art installation, we didn't create it entirely just uh, for the sake of vanity where we're only showing our work. How do we open this up for other artists to use uh, more seamlessly? So, I'm, again, it's, um, it's kind of uh, making something beautiful and then uh, letting that beautiful bird fly away and letting someone else have control of it. Uh, all interesting challenges, but... Um, it was certainly gratifying for us to put our stamp on it and allow others to put their stamp on it as well. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. It was my pleasure. I hope uh, 
Hope everyone out there is having a great day. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. That's all for this episode of 69 Projects. If you've seen a project in the wild and said to yourself, now that's cool, I'd love to hear about it and maybe feature it on an upcoming episode. You can reach me at michael at crowncontent.ca. This podcast is a companion to the 69 podcast, which talks to smart people doing interesting things in this business. It's also tied in with 169, which is the website to read if you really want to learn about the digital signage industry. You'll find that at 16-9.net. This podcast is produced by me in Toronto and is a product of Vertical Media Consulting Group, the massive media empire my buddy Dave Haynes runs out of his house down the highway in Burlington, Ontario. This podcast is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Check them at mahlerdso.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Tutton.